Hi friends, welcome to episode nine of the Project Stay Alive podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and today is a very special day in the mental health community. Today is World Mental Health Day, and it means a lot to me to be a part of this community and to be offering content that inspires people to keep going even on the days where they want to give up. So it only feels right to offer you a new podcast episode. I am so excited for you to meet my friend Tish. Um, She is a previous student athlete, college basketball player. She graduated from the University of North Florida, and she started a mental health foundation there called Stay Whole. She is currently um, offering mental health and wellness coaching, and in her graduate program, she's working towards a master's in clinical mental health counseling, so we kind of got down on that topic together, and she really hopes to be a light and help make change in the world. When I was listening back to this episode, I couldn't help but get inspired all over again. Without further ado, I can't wait for you to meet Tish. Okay. Hi, Tish. Welcome to the Project Stay Alive podcast. Hi. Hi. I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm super excited. We have a really good topic. We do. We do. And I was just saying that um, I have a podcast episode coming out, obviously, before this one will come out, um, featuring my friend Joy. And we were kind of talking about some similar things, so I'm really excited to have you on to kind of keep it going and follow up on it. Yeah. Okay, so do you want to do some warm-up questions? Yep, let's do it. Okay, so tell everyone who you are, what you do, and why you care about mental health. Um, I am, well, first of all, my name is Satisha, but I go by Tish. I recently graduated from UNF about a year ago, and I was a student athlete. While I was there, I started to realize that in the athletic community, a lot of us dealt with mental health on, like, extreme levels. And during that time, I decided to create a mental health foundation that's for student athletes and, like, creatives because I'm a part of both populations pretty heavy. And through that, it just guided my life into like, ooh, I want to be a mental health counselor. I want to get into this. I want to make a change. I want to help the athletic community. I want to help creatives. Because those are two populations that get overlooked so much. Like, being creative, if you're not flowing, like, say you have a painting that's due and you can't think of anything to paint. Like, people get so depressed or just jobs. And it's crazy. Like, I've heard many stories from that. But, yeah, so basically... That is my purpose, is just to use my experiences with depression and anxiety and to help others. I love it. Tell us a little bit about the Mental Health Foundation that you started um, when you were in your undergrad program. Um, So it basically first started as just like a movement. Um, (laughs) I was involved in like a lot of things on campus, mental health related, like we would have mental health week. And then the, for athletes, we had, like, a SAC program, which is where all the student athletes would meet up and have meetings about different events or whatever's going on. And through those two things, I was able to create a movement called Stay Whole. 
because my concept on life and my kind of my perspective is that we're all like the perfect spiral. And I feel like life is a spiral. Like you have goods and bads, highs and lows, and they're all mixing together and you're trying to keep it balanced. So from that concept, I would always just be like, stay home or whatever. So we started having mental health awareness games where we would all dress up in green and we made promotions and would just hand out stickers with stay whole on it. And from there, it just kind of took a path of its own. And I started seeing people being like, oh, this helped me so much. Or this event I went to, like, thanks for hosting this. And just the feeling of getting people to understand they're not alone. And just all the stories I've heard. And it's just like, thank you for sharing, first of all. But, like, thank you for just fighting for your life. Thank you for continuing to try to live when you felt like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't know. It just makes me not want to stop on the path I'm on, knowing that people are beginning to realize that they're not by themselves. Yes, stay whole. That's such an incredible slogan. Uh, Thank you. I could see how something like that would just connect to people whether they are experiencing severe mental health struggles or just like having, you know, occasional day-to-day sadness, that I, that idea that you can stay whole when you feel like yeah. nothing is whole is, it's empowering. Yeah, it really is. And it's cool to see, like, now, like, I don't I like, obviously I push it, but now it's just cool to see people say it back to me. And I'm just like, ah, yeah, like, that's how it feels. Like, it's just a cool balance that's starting to shift yeah that's so fun I love that okay so tell us a little bit about your mental health struggle you mentioned um playing um division one athletics in college and having a hard time um with that but have you struggled with your mental health like your whole life or kind of what has that looked like for you um yes when I was in high school, well, honestly, I can remember back to, like, middle school and, like, a little bit of elementary. I was just one of those kids that I had I had everything, like, I was doing well in school. I was playing sports. I had friends. Like, there was nothing in my life that I should be sad about, per se, or crying over. Unless, obviously, like, the natural things to cry over, like, you get hurt or somebody hurt your feelings. Like, that's normal. But I found myself coming home after school and just crying and feeling like a failure and feeling like, I, like I'm like i not doing something. I don't know, just that imbalance that really had me shook because I'm like, why are you crying? You're, you're in a really good position in life right now. Like, what? So it kind of followed me throughout that whole time until I got to high school. And then on top of that, we moved from Kentucky to Florida. So it's that pivotal time in school where clicks matter. Having a group of people matters. <laughs> because if not, it's just a whole other path. So when I got here, the only thing that helped me to stay afloat while dealing with depression was basketball. Like, that gave me an automatic kind of set of friends that it was like, okay, we're on the same team together. All right. Then we start practicing, and they're like, okay, like, she's cool. Like, we're good. Okay, whatever. So then that gave me that that balance. But I still felt left out. I still felt like I was still crying. I was just in a very dark place. Like, 
I started to really withdraw from life itself. And I would have bad anxiety. And the only thing that would keep me whole, per se, was basketball. And it was just hard for me to connect with people because it's like my friends would be like, you want to go here? You want to press? Like, teach? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I was just not engaging. Um, I, it was hard to explain to them that I just don't feel like it today. Because it's like people don't understand how depression works and how anxiety works and just that whole cycle of feelings works. So it was hard for me to, like, tell my friends, Hey, I I don't special today, but people are just too much for me right now. Like being around all this energy is too much. And it got to the point my senior year where I completely broke and that was just that's a whole story in itself, but I just broke down to the point of I did not want to exist to an extent anymore. And with that, I went and got my diagnoses and I started getting help. But then when I finally understand what's going on with me, now I'm going to college for basketball and I'm leaving my family. <laughs> so every time that I, I kind of got a grasp on myself, I was getting put in another situation, farther from my family, farther from stuff that made me so safe. And so I'm now I'm figuring out my mental health in college, freshman year, getting to know what it's like to be an athlete with school and the crazy schedule we're on all the time. And that broke me even more. So my sophomore year, I didn't play any sports. I was just a regular student going to classes and getting my life together. Because it's important that we take the time to just focus on us, which people feel guilty about. But that. That was my key thing for that year. And after I really got a handle on myself, got the right medicine, got the right type of therapy, got, like, I got everything lined up to where I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick with it. Yes, this sucks. Yes, this is going to be a journey. But I have to do this in order to do what I want to do in life. If I want to live a balanced life, this is just what I have to do. And after that, it just kind of hit the turning point. And I got, I got an opportunity to get another scholarship to play and put me at UNF, and that's just where I really grew into myself. But during those times, I did have, I was in a relationship with my boyfriend who just did it, get it. And, like, now it's like, like, after we broke up, like, I feel like if we took space, he understood it more. But during the time, it was just so hard. Like, it was hard to explain to him that, like, yes, I love you, but I can't be with you right now. Not because of you, but because of me. But yeah, that was basically my mental health journey for the most part. So tell me a little bit about, I, and I want to get to your boyfriend and the impact what that's had, but tell me a little bit about the kind of um, services that you accessed. Um, you mentioned kind of therapy briefly, but were there like different kinds of therapy that were really helpful for you in your depression? Um, I'm sorry, it kind of went out. You're asking what helped me, like what are some of the things I did that helped me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so there's multiple things. Well, for me, it was basically just getting those small steps back because I couldn't get out of bed. Like I didn't want to get out of bed. I couldn't eat. 
I just could not do anything but sleep just to shut my mind off. That was the best thing I could do. But I started seeing this therapist who started just making life seem so small. And for me, that worked because I just felt extremely overwhelmed. And she goes to me and she says, what's something you like to do? Like before everything got hard, what was something you like to do? And I said, I always would get my nails done. I just love colors. Um, Tie-dye is like my favorite. Like I would always get my nails done, different colors, whatever. She was like, what if you just started painting your nails? It's easy. It's not something that's going to be too much. So with that small step of just painting my nails, which sounds super cliche, like, <laughs> like anybody should be able to paint their nails. But for people in these dark times, it's hard. It's so hard. But I started to paint my nails, and I found it was soothing, and it gave me confidence in myself and this weird type of, like, hey, like, I can do this. And it made me more curious as to see as what else can I do? So I started getting into, like, small types of self-care and that helped. But then I got into group sessions with therapy because my whole thing was I feel so alone. I feel so alone. So by exposing myself to group therapy, exposing myself to more people that could identify with what I was going through, it made me feel less alone. And it allowed me to find another tribe to associate with that understood how we were all feeling. Like we could sit in that group and somebody could say, I don't have the words for what I'm feeling. And so somebody that's never experienced that feeling before, that's like, what do you mean you don't know how you feel? But to that group, it's like, wow, like, I feel that. I'm the same right now. Like, how do you express these feelings rather than cry or, or withdraw or distance yourself? What do you do? So just having that understanding and just a family, because they really did become family. I'm still friends with all of them. But just to have that group helped me in ways that I never thought I needed help, like, I was struggling with connecting with people, and here I am in a group of people connecting with people, and it was it was just a cool position. And with group, after I got through the group sessions and my personal therapy sessions, I started exercising again because I know people are like, "Oh, exercising, this is awful," but you can just go on a walk. Like it, it doesn't necessarily have to be hardcore lifting and all of that. It's just getting yourself out and moving around and just releasing those positive endorphins, getting your serotonin levels up, um, eating healthy. And I was very mindful of the things I ate because there's certain foods that will help you with your chemical balance, that will help you with, with emotions and just feelings. And just the more aware I came of the things I can control, I got better the more I was able to turn my thinking into that type of style, it got better. Like my therapist was CBT and basically they just work on the cognitive behavior. So the way I interpret things, the way I would think it was like something that I do now to this day is I don't like to say, but anymore. So like, for example, like, if I say, I love my mom, but she blah, 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 it kind of negates the fact that I love her. So now I'll say and more. Like, I'll be like, I love her, and today she really just, she really did just drive me up a wall. But, like, you know, so 
just inserting and at the time when I say but allows me to feel both sides without feeling guilty. So it's just things like that. But I don't know, just getting to the therapist is so important and finding the therapist that you connect with. It's okay if you go through like five in a week finding the mm-hmm. right one for you. <laughs> but like it, it's natural. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to. It's going to take forever. I'm like, do it. That's why they're there, first of all. And second of all, therapist is like life. Like, you're going to have people that you connect with, people you don't connect with, people that get on your nerves and you don't understand why. Like, <laughs> you're, you're going to go through that. And that's just like the same process. Like, you're going to have a therapist that's awesome, but you just don't connect with them. And you're like, okay, thank you. I don't think this going to work for me. And you just move to the next person. And sometimes they even refer you to somebody that they feel would um, help you and able to connect with you. So those are some of the steps and the ways that I kind of got out of it and got back into life, I guess I would say. Yeah, I love um, (laughs) trying to find a therapist is super hard. So I love that you bring that up because it's seriously like dating, I think. You know, like, you might have to go through a few people that you're just like, you're kind, and I'm sure you're great, but this isn't going to work for me um, before yeah. you find the right one. But then I also yeah, like um, I really, really appreciate you t- bringing up group therapy because it is, um, it's a service that I don't hear people talking about very often, and it's been one that I found really helpful Um, and it's been one where like as a clinician, I love, um, I love facilitating groups because you see people like establishing these healing relationships together and the therapist is really like just there to bring like water and cookies. Like it's always the people in the groups that like lead it and do the work. So I, um, I'm really glad that you bring that up because I I wish more people would try to go to groups. Yeah, for sure. It's just the stigma of everything just makes it so hard. Yeah, it totally does. Um, And it's funny, too, because I think people worry, like with groups especially, about what if I see someone I know or what if I... I, you know, I don't, I don't know what all the worries are, but I know that that fear of seeing somebody that you know who you might be like outed to or something, um, prevents people from going. But I think what you just said that you found true in college is that almost everyone was struggling. So I, um, anyways, yeah, I am really appreciative that you said that. Yeah, no problem. And I like how you brought up the whole worrying thing because, like, like I said, like, talking to my friends about this was non-existent because, first of all, it's like, who wants to be in high school being, like, I'm depressed, especially with all the stereotypes that are placed in high school in general. So, yeah, there are a lot of worries, but it's more so about finding people that understand it rather than talking to people who you know won't understand it. It makes it easier. Yeah, yeah. And... If we can find that vulnerable part of us to be willing to say it, and and I recognize too that high school is like probably the hardest place to admit that you're depressed. So maybe you know at whatever age you're at, um, if you can practice that vulnerability, I find that most people can identify with like at least a little piece of it. Um, you know, if not the the entire experience. So I'm really glad that you found people that 
were able to help you heal and how cool that you're still friends with them yeah like I don't know like I because of them I'm able to create healthy relationships and that sounds like I don't know that sounds crazy in a sense but because of them like even though they weren't like actual like you know like they were platonic relationships those people that we could talk about anything and it allowed me to open up and be like okay I can, I can do this. Like, there's nothing wrong with me that's inhabiting, inhibiting me from, from connecting with people. It's just, I don't know how to work through these situations. And with all of us having to learn how to do that together, it, it just created a balance within myself of like, okay, this person's energy is too much for me, but I still like this person. So I'm going to create this boundary. Like, we all learn to create boundaries together. And boundaries are so important. So important. They are, they are. Let me know when you figured out the the trick. Because I am having a hard time with boundary setting. No, yeah. Okay, so tell me like, a little bit about your relationship. So you mentioned your boyfriend. Was this your college boyfriend? Um. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> this, is, this is always fun to talk about because I'm a huge late bloomer to the whole dating scenario and just the dating life. But it's mostly because of depression and stuff. Like, going through high school, is just a relationship was the last thing on my mind. It, it was the last thing. So my first boyfriend was, the, uh, it was official the summer after I graduated. And... It was, now looking back at it, it's like, Teach, why did you get into that relationship? You are not ready at all. What is wrong with you? But I respect it, and I learned so much from it. But I was in it for the wrong reasons. I knew I didn't have everything I needed. I knew I didn't have self-love. I knew I couldn't make myself happy. So it was just all these things I was extremely aware of. I was like, I can't do this on my own and I'm about to go to college and don't be wrong like I loved him great person great guy like we got along it was cool and I explained to him what I was going through but it, it doesn't prepare you for that actual for what you will actually experience if that makes sense like yeah you're in a relationship but they're not talking about when he has a bad day and you're also really depressed or when you start to withdraw from the relationship and it's not because of anything that person did but because you just can't handle a lot of stuff right now and it started to create issues and problems where he he thought he understood but he didn't because I feel like if you've never been through depression or a certain level of depression it's hard for you to understand how how that feels and how to deal with it. So, I don't know. It was, looking back on it, it was a positive learning experience. But during it, it was absolutely awful. Yeah, so tell me, like, what you think specifically about depression makes managing relationships really difficult. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to picture, like, your 18-year-old self, like, probably you know, loving this guy and still being like, I just can't do this because I can barely wake up every morning, let alone have a relationship with you. Yeah. 
So, um, here's, here's a story that I can, like, <laughs> tell. And, but, so basically, there was this moment where it was before I was, it was the year when I wasn't playing any sport. And I was just a, a student. I was a student. I was going to school. I was working on myself. And I remember summer break, we, like, hung out. You know, we're both back from school or whatever. So he played basketball, too. So we're both back from school. We're hanging out. And there was a moment where we had this conversation. And I was like, look, I love you. There's nothing wrong with you. But I can't, I can't handle everything right now. I was like, I want to be able to love myself. I want to be able to get myself to a place where I know how to balance these things. But I can't. And he took it so personal. And he just kind of made it into the thing that it wasn't. And in that moment, I would usually get, like, super mad. Like, you don't understand me. This is, like, I'm trying to explain to you, like, what depression is. Like, I'm trying to tell you the steps and what I'm going through. And for once, I didn't get angry. And I kind of just looked, like, after all this self-work I've been doing, it was the moment that it really showed it was working because I didn't get emotional. I just rationalized how he was feeling. And I was like, okay, I was feel like this, too. I was just sitting there putting myself in his seat. Mm. And after he said everything, I was just kind of like, I completely understand where you're coming from. And I was like, and I'm so sorry. And, like, it was that one moment of clicking. Like, I'm so sorry that although I wasn't trying to be selfish, I have been selfish. Like, I have not been emotionally supportive to you to the extent that I wish I could be. And I made it all about him in the sense of I owned that I could not handle a relationship and I owned that the way you're feeling is because I like because I was going through what I was going through but I also commended myself because it was like hey peace you're not feeling guilty about because usually I would feel so guilty and just pity myself but in that moment I was like yeah this is just life like I got depression anxiety this is what I'm gonna work with I'm sorry like and it was just that moment. And when he realized that I genuinely meant it, he was like, okay. And from that point on, like, things were different. We just, like, we tried to work through it. But it was just that moment of, I was like, I can't give you what you need right now. I'm not on that level. And I accepted that. I was like, you want this huge thing that I can't even imagine right now. And we kind of just separated and did our own thing. And, like, like I said, like, now I look back at it as a positive experience because, during the time, I didn't realize it, but I learned so much about it. And because of him, I know what I want in life. I know what I need. I know what's going to suit me. I know the type of energy that is best for me. And we, like, even though we were in love and stuff, like, we weren't compatible. Like, the things he wanted was not what I wanted. But because I lacked so much in myself, he fulfilled everything I was needing during that time. Yeah, so you did an incredible job with dialectics in that moment, which is basically the ability to step kind of outside of your own painful experience and see the lived experience of someone else. And that's like exactly yeah. what you did with this this guy when you're like, how old were you, 20? Yeah, yeah. So, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. I I suck at that. So that was really good work. Um so okay, so what I heard was that 
you you just couldn't even fathom this thing that he wanted. Like that was how much your depression was impacting you. Yeah. Like it was and I don't know, it was just one of those things where it's like you can love someone all you want. You can really adore them, really want them to do the best ever. And that's how I felt with them. Like even now, like we like we're not in contact, whatever, like it's fine, but we're both healed and in a place. But it's like even even then I'm like, yo, he's he's doing everything he we talked about. Like I'm so proud of him, I'm happy for him because he meant so much to me in that time and he helped me to be exactly who I am today and figure myself out. If it wasn't for him believing in me and times where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, like he instilled a lot of things in me that I couldn't give myself. So it's just thank you, like like, thank you for that. That's how I always feel. Like, but, I mean, there was a lot of negative. I'm not going to lie and be like, oh, wait, that's a perfect relationship. And, no, it, it got really ugly sometimes. Because you have an unstable person, i.e. me, and then you have somebody that is, like, I hate saying the word normal, but, you know, like, normally balanced. And it was just a disconnect in that area. And it made both of us act out to it expect and just we're still young we're still trying to learn like it was just a hot mess that time yeah so tell me what kind of advice you would give someone if they were kind of in that position now like because I'm sure there's been times in my life where I should have walked away from relationships or friendships that I just couldn't bring my whole self to but I wanted to be loved so badly I couldn't walk away from them. So what advice would you give to somebody who is in that same place, like knows that they have a lot of work that they need to do and that they can't do it while they're in these intimate relationships, but they don't want to walk away because it's comfortable. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. Comfortable is the perfect word. Um, I would say to, um, am I allowed to curse? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I was like, that sounds like, I don't know. I, but I would say to sit in your shit. And, and it sucks. But the moment you become aware, like you're, like it, most of the time we are aware that this relationship isn't good for us. And we're aware of all the reasons it's not. But like you said, it's comfortable. So just take a day. If you're in this position, take a day and sit in your shit. Do a pros and cons list. Um, the other day I was talking about doing bath reflections. Sit in a bath, and if you're like a kinesthetic person, this is perfect for you. If you need feeling touched, sit in a bath, bring a journal with you, and just soak in your feelings, soak in your thoughts, and journal it out. But really sit in why you're with this person, what they do for you, how they fill you up, and what you lack. It sucks because you're like, who wants to look at themselves in that light? Yeah. But do it personally. You don't have to tell them anything yet. Do it for yourself so you know what you need to work on, so you understand who you are. And once you journal it out, start a plan from that. If it's, I want to stay with this person, but I want to express to them how I'm feeling, where they can understand, do that. Even bring them into therapy with you. If that's something, like if it's really somebody you love and you just can't imagine not being with, but you're just struggling right now, invite them to a therapy session with you or you have a therapist that can understand you but also break it down into a way that they can understand um don't like give up on it if it's something that's really for you but you got to know that 
it is for you. And you're not doing it because you don't want to face yourself. And that's one of the hardest things that, I mean, I still deal with. I feel like everyone deals with the, um, even with friendship, it's like, you know that friend drains you, but you love them and you feel like you owe them something because you've been friends for a long time. So you're like, how do I stay friends with you? So it comes back down to the whole boundaries thing and creating boundaries. But the first step initially is sitting in your shit and figuring it out personally. Don't tell anybody what it is yet because you don't necessarily know. But give yourself that chance to reflect, look, see what it is, and then move from there. That would be the best advice I can give. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Um, I want to follow this. I want to follow this example. So what do you think if somebody does that, right? They sit in their shit. They're like, okay, I'm, I'm in a mess with my depression, but I've got this relationship that really is meaningful, that really matters to me, that is value added, that I feel like I'm being good in at least a good amount of the time. And this is a relationship I really want to continue. So how do you think people can continue to stay in these relationships, even on the days that their depression tells them you're not worthy of love, you should leave this person because they deserve better or, you know, like all of those false things that our depression tells us, how do you, what do you think the answer is for that? Not that there's a perfect answer, but. You are killing it. Oh, I'm um, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, so just so I can understand, you're saying like, we're, like, because depression does make you feel worthless. You're saying, how how do you answer to that, basically? Yeah, how do you combat it so that you continue, can continue to function in relationships, right? Because we need people. And what if we've got really good people around us and really good relationships that we want to keep, but our depression tells us that we should abandon them. All right. I'm going to pull some personal experience because I felt that exact thing, which was for me. Um, okay. So I'll just be real about it. For me, during that first year we were dating, like the first months were fine because obviously honeymoon stage, and um, then once that kind of dialed out, I realized I was still empty. And I would find myself telling him, like, I'm not good enough for you. I'm, I'm not, um, you need better. Um, and I felt myself in this cycle of just telling him, like, like, it wasn't, like, to me, I didn't see it as self-pity during that time. It was just. A belief. I I believed it. I felt it. I I was super insecure within myself as well. Of I've always felt like this weirdo, which now I own it, and I'm like, yeah, I'm a little different. You know, it is different, but it's okay. Like I love that. But during that time, I wasn't in my own skin per se, and I was really, really, really lost. And I believed it. And he would always be like, you are worth it. What are you not seeing? Like, he was so positive. And he'd be like, why are you saying this? And all of this, and I would tell him, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, during that time, I really didn't know it was depression. It was just something I felt for so long with friends, family, that that I believed it. 
And I started writing. And I actually have a book, and it's just all my poetry from back in those times. But I started writing how I felt. And now when I read it, I kind of want to cry. I'm like, oh, my God, Tish, you were broken. And you really, you really did not love yourself. And you were willing to give yourself away in order to, to feel full. Like, I would put myself in situations just to feel good, just to feel better. So for anyone who is in that situation right now, um, be gentle with yourself. If you can find a way to be aware of these feelings, like, for example, if you know you're dealing with depression, take your thoughts and emotions as jokes at times. Um, that's what I would start doing. Like, the more aware I can of these thoughts, I'd be like, LOL, you're funny, and just move on. Like, the more you train your mind to see these strong emotions, these these feelings that you want to believe, but they're not yours. They are not yours at all. You just got to laugh at it. And by laughing at it, like, I'll physically laugh at my thoughts. Like, I'll be by myself to where to start laughing. And by laughing at it, it kind of distorts me from that feeling. Like, I learned how to make depression its own person and not myself. I began to make depression this little kid in my mind that just liked to be bad at times. And by me separating that part of myself, it allowed me to to look at depression. Like, I would literally sit, close my eyes, and look at it and be like, okay, today you were pretty rough with me, but, you know, like, let's talk about this. And I would have this conversation in my mind, and it, it sounds silly, but just by reflecting, putting energy on it and being like, what's wrong with you? What's, what's the real problem that's happening? It allowed me to learn more about myself. Um, an example would be one day, me and my boyfriend, we um, we had, like, the best day ever. But the whole time in my mind, I was like, this sucks. I'm so tired. I don't want to be here. Why is he even doing this for me? This is the worst day ever. Like, really spiraling. And I felt so guilty when I got home. So when I got home, I had this talk with my little friend depression. And I realized the reason I was feeling this way was because I felt like I was undeserving. So once I got to that point, I was like, why don't I deserve it? And then I just sat there and I was shook because I'm like, wait, why am I telling myself I don't deserve this? You know? So I started doing, like, pros and cons. I was like, what do I deserve in life? And it's a lot of self-work, but I had great therapists. So it all goes back down to getting the right resources and help because if I didn't have the therapist I have that taught me these cool little techniques, I wouldn't be able to get through it. Yeah, I have to tell you, I think that's some of the best advice I've ever heard about um, separating your depression from yourself and making it its own entity. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Like, emotion, it's, okay, first of all, it's absolutely amazing that we can experience emotion. But at the same time, emotions are just that. And it's funny how people are like, how can you not feel? And it's like, I'm not saying not to feel. I'm saying to understand emotions are emotions. So that's another thing. Like, I have this mental chair, which is another practice I absolutely love that they taught me. And I sit in my mental chair. Whenever I feel like my emotions are getting out of hand, like I'm getting too angry and I realize it, I'm like, all right, let me get in my chair. And I'll just kind of sit back and in my mind, I'm sitting in this little mental chair. And I'm just looking at my anger. And I'm like, all right, what's the real reason you're angry? 
and I'll just sit and I'll just separate me from my emotions, me from whatever the situation is or whatever it is that's bothering me, and I just look at it. And it allows me to rationalize it rather than just shoot from zero to 100 and be like, oh, I hate the world. Like, and just, you know, because we're all guilty of that. Like, somebody cuts you off while you're driving. You're like, why? Like, you know, couple hand signals, beep, whatever. <laughs> but it's in those moments that we kind of just have to sit back and be like, am I about to let this one second ruin the rest of my day? Like, you just got to be self-aware and the more you distance yourself from things the easier it is to kind of deal with it in a healthy way yeah you're a really creative person aren't you I am I can just like (laughs) I I can tell just by the way that you talk about how you process things like going to this place in your mind creating this mental chair creating this you know like this this person that is your anxiety, your childhood anxiety person, like that, that's all the work of a very creative, imaginative person. And I think that if there's other people who are listening, who are writers or artists or musicians or whatever, like these are the kinds of tangible interventions that, that will work for you. Uh, Yeah, for sure. That's like, and that's, one of the reasons, like, as I grow in, like, my profession, counselor in school, like, I I realized that because I'm a creative person, I can help them more than, because we have creative therapy, but, like, let's just think about what creative therapy is. It's going and painting or going and playing or whatever that person may do, but it's not exactly going to help somebody that can't paint right now or can't act right now. <laughs> so... Um, we have to find these interventions that that doesn't force them to do creative things, but allows them to use that part of their brain that is creative. Like, I just came back from my pre-practicum, and I've been fighting my theoretical orientation of, like, the foundation of my counseling. And Dr. Reeves, which is totally awesome, he, his theory is IFS, and it's like the inner family system. And it's about how all of us are multifaceted and we have different parts of ourselves. And that's how I think. Like, I separate things. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, when I think of depression, I think of those little small kids just being bad all the time. When I think of heartbreak, I, I always think of the younger me dealing with depression and not understanding why, crying at school and elementary school. And by me being able to separate myself into those things, I've been able to internalize and learn a lot about myself. And I feel like with creative people and with athletes too, because athletes, that whole self-identity thing, like athletes, they're putting on five different hats in a day. You wake up and you're going to conditioning. Then from conditioning, you're going to be a student and you're sitting in class. And then from that, you're going somewhere else. And in 24 hours, you've probably hit on 20,000 different parts of yourself. So giving them the opportunity to to project who they are in different areas allows them to work through things without realizing they're working through it. Cause you're like, that's not a part of me right now. You know, so it's just a really cool learning. Yeah. And it seems like it, it allows you to create kind of the space where you can reflect more objectively, like separating yourself from the emotional part of you that, that you're experiencing in that moment. Yes. Yes. Like, it's, it's really great. Like, 
this. Best advice I hope anyone can take from this is just sit in your mental chair. Create you a throne up in your head. Create, like, whatever it is that's suiting to you. For me, it's a bean bag because I love bean bags. So it's a big, giant bean bag that I lay in. But create yourself a mental chair that you can go back to whenever stuff is just going wild in your life. Or whenever somebody makes you mad, happy, sad, just be like, you know what? I'm going to go sit in my chair right now. Close your eyes and have that whole moment with yourself. I love it. Teach, I think that's like the coolest piece of advice. And I, I want to like go into the closing questions because I want to end on that. Like I want everybody to walk away from this and create a mental chair or a mental place or a mental, you know, whatever the hell it is, but that place that you can go to, to do that really deep reflective work. Um, because it sounds like that's been something that's been really helpful for you and your relationships in your, you know, uh, college athletics in your, probably now in your school. Um, oh, yeah. Because you're in your master's <laughs> yeah. program, right? Like, that is incredible yeah. advice. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Friend, okay. How do you feel about going to the post questions? Um, okay, yeah. I don't Okay, tell me one thing that you are really looking forward to. Ooh, I am looking forward to just shared knowledge. I am a huge just intellectual nerd, and I'm always trying to find cool things. And I'm looking forward to just being able to share my purpose in life, which I feel is I chose the right profession of counseling, thank God. <laughs> but it's just helping others see that they can do it. Just showing someone the tools, giving them the tools, because that's all it is. We just don't have the tools. And once you get those tools, it's like a game changer. So I'm excited to give people tools in order to control their life and have control over what they can. Yeah, you know, I'm really excited for you that once you're, you know, you finish school and you have your credentials and you can go into whatever community-based practice or private practice that you go into, that people will be able to relate to your experience because I think that's something that clients really look for in a provider is somebody that they believe has experienced it too or walked it too. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. Like, just hearing you talk about it, I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're going to love it. And then, like, you know, in a few years, you're going to probably be feeling like you need to create a mental office or something because you'll probably be really overwhelmed by listening to people's stories all the time, but you'll feel so humbled by it. I mean, it's truly, like, I'm so excited for you. It's the coolest work you can do. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> okay, what is one thing that you want people to know about mental health? Um, hmm. Sorry, I wasn't trying to think of. That we all go through it. And we said it a lot in the beginning, and I'm going to say it now. Stay whole. Like, your life is the perfect spiral. You're going to go through so much, but you are going to find a way to make it valid. So what I want, when I, when you think about mental health, just remember, stay whole. Just think of 
you know what? Life, life can be a little crazy. I, I am in this situation. I'm dealing with this. I'm doing that. But I'm going to stay whole. And I'm going to do healthy things. I'm going to find balance. I'm going to use resources. I'm going to reach out. This all, we all deal with it. We may not all have illnesses, but we all deal with it. So just the differentiation of mental health and mental illness, they're separate, but they're under the same umbrella. You know? So that's what I'll say. I love that. Does um do you have any like photos from back in the day when you did this this stay whole work at school? I'm sorry, say that again. It kind of went out. Oh, do you have any like photos or um like photos of the stickers or any of the stay whole work that you did on college? I want to I want to share that because I think that would be so cool. Of course. I stay whole is still going and thriving. I have a website and there's merch. We have stickers. And I do some, because I live in Tampa right now, I do some work here and have, like, small events, and I have, like, a panel. But um, just for on here, you, if you want to keep up with Stay Whole, go to at Stay Whole Foundation on Instagram, and you'll find the link to all of our stuff. Like, we have a magazine where it's just a bunch of mental health stories from people you can relate to. And people, like, everyday people that you could see crossing the street are just, in the store, and I think it's awesome. Um, you can go to our website at org, and we also have Facebook. And then you can always contact me here. So <laughs> I love it. Will you yeah. send me all of that information because I will add it to the show notes for everyone? Absolutely. So. Does it sound like people could share their mental health stories with you guys over at that platform as well, and then you'll offer that? Yes. Um, the Stable Magazine is exactly that. We have, like, oh, gosh, it's grown so much in a year. We have a section for athletes. We have a section for creatives. We have a section for moms. We have a lifestyle section. And we just added spiritual wellness to one of our um, founding founding areas. And basically, we have people send in stories, just like I said, everyday people. You want to share your story? Contact us. Hit us up. We can't wait. We have so many stories that have gone live and changed people. Like, one of the most rewarding things is when somebody shares their story, and then I get to report to them, like, look at this message. Look what this person just sent. Like, look what you just did for being vulnerable and brave. And it's such an empowering moment to see the the exchange of power because the person who's writing it is kind of giving up a part of themselves. Mm -hmm. But then when you get all these messages and you get all these people saying, like, thank you so much, you're awesome, you're getting that power back. So I just love the exchange of that. But, yes, if people want to send in their stories, definitely. When I send you all the information, I can show you, like, how people can get in contact with us and all that. That is so cool. Isn't it so humbling to be a part of that connection? It is. I Like, it's so funny because I forget that I created stables 1,000% of the time. Like, when I'm walking somewhere, if I see someone that knows me, they're like, you just sound like you're so good, like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything. The people are. Any person that has imprinted stable, all I did was lay the foundation. But the rest, the rest is everyone else. And this experience has been so fun because it's like I'm driving the car, but I'm not. Like, I'm sitting in the car, but everybody else is doing the work. 
Yeah, I could only imagine what it would be like to walk, like, down to your local coffee shop and see someone walk by with, like, a t-shirt on that you, you know, has your slogan on it. Like, how cool would that be? Oh, it's, I still, <laughs> like, yeah, the perfect example, somebody sent me a picture of um, somebody they know wearing a shirt, and I was just kind of like, do I know this person? They were like, no, they've just seen it, they've seen mine, and they bought one. And I was like, what? And it's just one of those moments of like, oh, you believe in it. And it's like, it's not that you believe in the brand of Stay Whole, it's more of you get what I'm saying. It's Stay Whole. Like, you believe in the idea that you can stay whole. And that's all I need. If everybody just go and know that they're in control and they can stay whole, and if they got the right tools and if they're willing, my job's done. That's all I want to do is plant baby seeds. I love it. Okay, well, for everyone listening, go check that out. See um, see if you can snag some merch and, and relate to that, um, the whole stay whole um, movement. I love it. Okay, okay. Tish, this is my favorite question. Give us one reason to stay alive today. Oh man, I want to stay alive because I know what it was like to not want to be alive and I knew what it was like to feel alone and that's basically what I based my whole life around is I no longer live for myself. And people hear that and they all night will be like, you can't do that. You have to, you know, but I can't live for myself because if I was to live for myself, oh my goodness, it would be a catastrophe. First of all, I, <laughs> I would, I wouldn't, I would give up sooner, but I live for my friends. I live for my parents. I live for anybody that has told me that I have um, impacted them in a positive light because now I'm not doing it for myself anymore. And I find so much joy in that. Like, I love living for others. And in the beginning, I was like, okay, I got to find a healthy balance because I'm giving up a lot of my energy. But now that I've got the balance, it's like, if somebody's like, hey, I'm having this, this, and this, like, can you help me? Or somebody, if there's anything I can do to just help you feel good for that one moment that I'm with you, or if we're crossing uh, each other and we don't know each other at all, if I could just smile and get you to smile back at me, like those are rewarding moments to me. <laughs> just the simplest of things, opening the door for someone, um, telling someone have a good day, or that's one of my favorite things is like when I go to a store or a restaurant and, you know, customer service, they're going to tell you have a good day or whatever it is they say. And I'll say it back to them. They'll be like, have a good day. And, you know, most people will be like, thanks you too in a very like whatever robotic type of way but I'll literally be like you too like I hope you do something fun after this in that one moment you see in their eyes they're like wait what and I just live for that because it helps them to kind of if they were having a bad day or if they're in that robotic I'm at work mood it kind of opens them up to yeah I, I, I do have a life and you can just be that feeling so yeah I stay alive for everyone to help everyone to to just be a light because we don't have a lot of light right now and it's very confusing times but I, I'm alive 
for whoever I see next. That's the best thing I can say. Whoever I cross paths with, that's who I'm alive for. That's such an incredible message. I want you to know that you have made me smile today, and I thank you oh. for that. Um, I thank you for your incredible advice that you've just given us over the past hour where relationships and depression are concerned. And, you know, it's it's so much more normal than people realize. So thank you for just being a part of creating a conversation where people can, you know, feel okay to admit that they're struggling too. It, it just means the world to me and to my listeners and everyone else. Oh, of course. You know, like I said, I'm here for others. Like, if I have to give up my experiences in order to help somebody else, I will. Because I've gotten to the point where I've been able to heal and be able to work through it. So talking about it, yeah, it, it can be triggering at times. But <laughs> if it's going to help you, help anybody, then I'm all for it. Awesome. Well, Tish, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I am going to include all of your information in the show notes for people so they can go follow you, check out everything that you're doing, and stay alive with you. Oh, okay. That would be awesome. Thanks for having me. This was great. Your questions. Oh, my goodness. You really <laughs> had me thinking today. <laughs> like, you really had me thinking. Great questions. But, yeah, this is awesome. I'm so glad. Thank you so much. No problem.